welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, real quick intro this week. Our guest is ultra runner, dad extraordinaire, and of course, beer lover, uh, Brad Danes. Um, and Brad is an ultra runner who lives in Des Moines, Iowa. He's kind of doing a lot to really help the Midwestern ultra running scene grow and flourish uh he helps race direct uh this amazing event it sounds amazing i'm i really am curious to uh curious about it and it's kind of like on the bucket list of races now it's called the boonville backroads ultra and it's a race that goes it's near des moines and it goes all up and down these rolling hills on some gravel roads of my home state of iowa and there's just something about, you know, running on a gravel road in Iowa or just driving down it or exploring it. And it's there's some beauty there that is just hard to explain. Um, and so that's appealing. But this race is actually pretty hard, pretty brutal. Um, there are these things called B roads, which we get into the into during this podcast. And it's it's hard to even describe. Look at the cover of this episode. Go online, Google B roads in Iowa, or check out pictures from the the Boonville Backroads Ultra because the B roads are definitely the giant obstacle that the runners face. And you know, as ultra runners, sometimes we just love giant obstacles and things that are challenging. So the B roads definitely do that. Um, so we talk about that for a while in the podcast, and then kind of one of the main ideas I wanted to explore was. The Brad's a normal guy. He has four kids. He has a full-time job. He coaches soccer, and yet he's able to fit this training in. Um, he lives in Iowa, which you know isn't necessarily as flat as people think, but it also is not mountainous. And he has some goals of some mountain ultras. So, how does he go about, you know, fitting training in his insanely busy schedule? But then also, how does he fit? some elevation training in the middle of the country. Um, it's just a good story of, hey, man, you don't have excuses. You have time if you make time, and you have hills if you make hills. Because what Brad does is he throws on a heavy pack and walks up up and down his stairs upwards of 600 times. So, uh yeah, man, no excuses. That's kind of the theme of this episode. There's no excuses to get done what you know you need to get done. So I uh, hope you guys take that away from the episode. Um, if you enjoy the podcast and this is your first one, I would highly suggest uh, going on iTunes, subscribing, leaving us a review. Even if you don't do that, even if you're like, I'll oh, check it out. We and my friend were just talking. We're like, I have a few podcasts where I'm like a sometimes listener, you know, like sometimes I'll listen to that one. I'll check who the guests are and stuff. That's awesome too. like become a sometimes listener that rocks. Um, so I would I would, you know, suggest going through our episodes and just checking them out, like see who might interest you and download a few of them. Uh, we have if you're an Iowan. There's almost a ridiculous amount of Iowans on this show <laughs> because that's my home state. And I feel like we need like I love Iowans and I feel like we should 
highlight as many as possible. So I had a couple dudes who climbed Mount Everest from Iowa. Um, Richard Cresser, a couple episodes ago, he uh, he ran Ragbrise. So if you're in Iowa and you know what that means, but it's like 400 miles in seven days and most people bike it and party, but he ran the whole thing. Um, even before that, Brendan Leonard and Jason Syme are two dudes who live out here now, but they're originally from Iowa and they did this amazing film called uh, How to Run 100 Miles. So go through our episodes, check them out. That would rock. Uh, you know, even if you're just listening to this one, I truly hope you enjoy it. Brad's an awesome dude and I'm super honored to have him on the show. All right, guys, let's get into it. Like Bigfoot number 91 with Brad Danes. Okay, I want to welcome Brad Danes to the podcast. Um, Brad, I heard you about maybe it was like a year and a half ago or two years ago on the Ultra Runner podcast. Yeah, yeah, it was a couple years ago. Yeah, man, and yeah. I gotta say, so Eric, his last question in every episode is, "What's your favorite beer?" And coming from Des Moines, I was, I was like, man, if I was ever on that show, I'd say Confluence Brewery. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, like. He, you know, he asked that every time, and so I knew that going into it, and uh, I, I actually kind of stressed out about it because, <laughs> like, like I'm a, I'm a big beer nerd, right? And so, you know, I, I've done some home brewing in the past, and, you know, so I take my beer very seriously, and I knew that he was going to ask that, and so I, I really like to support local businesses and stuff, yeah. and, and Confluence is, pro- is, is in, the, in the Midwest is probably my favorite brewery. And I like so many of their beers. Yeah. And I couldn't pinpoint the one that I liked the most. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go with the standard and just say the Des Moines IPA. So. Yeah, man. I have to say, it's legitimately one of my favorite breweries I've ever been to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's super fun, too. And they, uh, delicious. They, yeah. They are a sponsor for, uh, so I'm on, uh, up until actually today, um, I was on the board of directors for the Capital Striders uh, Running Club in Des Moines. And they uh, they put on uh, they they're the sponsor for a, a race called Loop the Lake. Okay. Uh, and so actually the post race celebration is actually at the brewery. That's awesome. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's funny. The first time I remember they opened up and we went in there, me and a group of friends after uh, doing some yoga, and uh-huh. I'm getting a beer and stuff. I'm like relaxing and. Uh, the, the lady serving the beer is like, Hey, I think you taught my son. And I was like, who's your son? And then she pointed to like the back booth. She's like over there landing. And I'm like, Oh, I did teach your son. And uh, long story short, her husband ended up opening the opening it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, man. But it's great. So I was so pumped. I like, I like let out an audible cheer when I was listening to that episode. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah man how did you kind of become this like uh conduit of midwestern iowa ultra running uh you know there's not a lot of us here um i've been doing it i've been running ultras now for uh probably eight years or so okay um and you know i i, uh, I work part-time at a, at a running shop a local running shop called fitness sports and um you know i if anybody comes in to talk ultras, like I'm the guy that gets pointed to, um, awesome. I'm the one, one and only guy that works at the store that's done them. 
but no, I uh, I started running uh, actually like trying to lose weight about 14 years ago. I was 315 pounds, and um, you know I just run and kind of start losing weight, and I just uh, kind of decided that I needed to keep continuing to challenge myself. Yeah, and um, it led me to the world of ultras. That's awesome. So I guess. Have you have you always been an Iowan or a Midwesterner? I have. Okay. I have. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in the uh, near the Amana colonies, uh, which is in eastern Iowa. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a German German settlement. Um, so I grew up near there, um, kind of by Iowa City. Uh, and uh, when I went to, I went off to college and went to Iowa State, which is in Ames. And then my wife and I moved to the Des Moines area for work for her. And then you know I got a job in Des Moines and. We've been here ever since. So. Yeah, man. So your first ultra is, was it an Iowan one or was it kind of like an event where you traveled to and, you know, traveled No, so like I went down to, uh, I went down to, to um, Lawrence, Kansas um, to go run to the tri- one of the trail nerds events. Um, and it's called the Free State, uh, Free State Ultra. And they have a, uh, at that time they had the marathon, a 40 mile and a hundred K. And I uh, was like, yeah, I'll do the, I'll do the 40 mile. Like that sounds cool. I've done one marathon. I'll, I'll go run, you know, almost twice the distance. Um, and so I went down into the 40 mile and uh, it was a big sloppy mud fest. And I've got this great picture of when I crossed the finish line, I'm carrying one of my daughters and the other one I'm holding with her hand. And there's, there was super little at that point. And, uh, we're crossing and I've got mud like inside my compression shorts and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, so it was, it was super sloppy and gross and yeah, it was, it was, it was a good time. It was, it was fun. That's awesome. It's, I feel like that's probably part of the, you know, people do their first ultra marathon or endurance event. And if you end completely covered in mud, that's part of the thing that hooks you. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, I was, I was, absolutely hooked at that point yeah and i don't know i i'm sure it's the same there but was the community at the end of people just kind of hanging around eating barbecue and drinking beers was that kind of the you know like the trail community yeah so um so i don't know uh i mean kansas the the trail nerds are based out of kansas city uh and they put on a lot of races uh psycho wico is probably their most popular um, they've got a summer psycho uh, event and a winter psycho event. And um, Casey Lickteague is actually, she's run, I think, the summer and the winter one and won them outright, I believe. Whoa. Yeah, she's um, a beast. And so she goes down to a lot of those events. And actually, her race, her first race back um, from this, uh, I think it's a hip injury or a pelvis injury, um, had, was this weekend at that race. Um, so she's, uh, you know, she's been now for six months and like her first race back was this free state, uh, trail race. So yeah, they were, they put on some really super cool events. Bad Ben is the guy's name, Ben, uh, he, he's a home brewer himself. So yeah. a lot of times he does have his own homebrew at the end of the races. Uh, so that's kind of cool. But that's awesome. So yeah, yeah. it was, it definitely fun. Yeah. What's uh like terrain like in a, in a trail run in Kansas? Um, so that one, it was super rocky, like very, very rocky. Yeah. It's it's around Clinton Lake, um, which is just to the South of Lawrence, which is where the university of Kansas is at. 
Um, it's kind of the southwest, I guess. And um, it's super rocky. It's, it's on um, 20 mile loop. And um, so I went and did the, I went and did the 40 mile the first time. And like, I didn't know what to expect. I honestly had no idea. And so I showed up and luckily I had, you know, trail shoes on because they actually had a plate in it. Um, so I did it the first year and then I, you know, I, I just kind of thought to myself, well, I can do better again. And there weren't any ultras in Iowa at that point. And so I uh, decided that I was just going to go back down the next year. So I went down to the 40 mile the next year and improved my time. So everything was cool. And then I decided that I wanted to do the 100K, which is three loops. And so one of my good friends, Byron, he's from, he used to live in Omaha. He lives in Houston now. Um, he came to pace me. And he shows up in a pair of uh, Asics 2000, so like you know, just your standard road shoe. Yeah. And so he was going to pace me for the last 20 miles because he was getting ready for the Lincoln Marathon. And he shows up, and we start going, and I'd had a pretty rough rough go that day. And we get to about three miles left on the course, so he'd been out there for 17 miles or so. And he was like, "Man, do your feet are are your feet just killing you?" And I was like, no, my feet are actually fine. It's just the rest of me. <laughs> and he, and I looked down, and I'm, I'm kind of a shoe dork, and I looked down at his shoes, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you aren't wearing trail shoes. And he's like, no, why? And I said, because mine have a plate in the bottom of to prevent rope or to prevent rock uh, stone bruising. And he took off his shoes when he got back to the hotel, and, I mean, his feet were toast. Oh. Uh, and so, I mean, it's, that area is just super, super rocky. I mean, there's not a lot of huge climbs, but it's just really, really rocky, and it's just a, it's an odd course. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, still a lot of fun. But it's uh, yeah, it's just really rocky. Yeah. Have you ever bruised your foot? Oh, totally. Yeah. It so sucks. I, uh, <laughs> I ran. I used to do um, kind of just the the minimalist thing, yeah. the barefoot thing, for a little while, just more as like a training, but not really as like full time. And, um, you know, everybody always says, oh, when you step on a rock, you're going to, you're going to kind of hop off of it. And I just totally planted on this thing and it bruised, like, I think through my foot. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it's terrible and it takes forever to, to come back from. Oh yeah. I did the exact same thing where I had minimalist shoes on and I'm like, this is a good idea because you know, it'll be better. I'll, I'll avoid rocks better. <laughs> Right, and exactly. You just take that one step that's wrong, though, and then for the next three months, you're in massive amounts of pain. Yeah, for real. Yeah, man. So that, yeah. Uh, and you work at running stores, so you, you know, you can kind of nerd out about all the all, all those things, right? So, like, what kind of? Oh my of, gosh, it's crazy. Yeah, what kind of, you know, shoes do you recommend? Like, do you do zero drop? Do you do just solely trail trail shoes? Or are you doing like a mixture of stuff? No, so I actually, uh, I do run uh, as part of the Hoka Flyer program. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm one of their ambassadors. So I uh, do, I, I primarily wear um, the Clifton or the Challenger. Um, I've gotten a couple, I mean, those are what I have been in for the last probably three years, three and a half years. Um, I, was a, I was a big fan of the Bondi for a while. Um, and then the Huwaka was probably one of my favorite road shoes. Um, but like the Challenger is the one that I typically will run most in because I, I do like a more stiff, firm sole. Yeah. Um, 
so like that's kind of what I do. Uh, but a lot of the trails around here, uh, I mean, you don't necessarily need something with crazy lugs. You can get away with a road shoe. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, in the winter, because it, it gets so crappy out, I mean, we do recommend that if people are going on a trail to get a trail shoe. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the time that's, I, I kind of go back and forth between the Clifton, which is their road shoe and the challenger, which is kind of their trail road hybrid. Gotcha. And if you guys don't know what Hoka's are, they're like running on clouds basically. Oh my God. Beautiful. <laughs> Just, so here's my, my only concern about them because, you know, I've ran in some, uh, I can't remember. I've done, I've done Hoka's before, but then ultra has a, has one too. That's like super yeah. maximal, I guess. The yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just had a yeah. pair of those, but like after a while, does the like cushioning start like molding to how you're landing your foot? Uh, not thing? necessarily. Okay. Like the way that the, the way that your foot sits down inside the shoe, the shoe kind of wraps around anyway. Okay. Um, so it actually does like wrap around your foot. Um, you know, and that's the that's the thing. Like. You know, I know they're not for everybody, and and same thing with alters. I tried them at one point too, and I just didn't I didn't care for them. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's one of the things that that we do, and that's we're kind of the specialists in the in the Des Moines area. Um, you know, we always we always fit people, and it takes about thirty to forty five minutes to, to actually truly fit somebody uh, for the first time. So we you know take a look at the way that they're biomechanics are we don't have them run on treadmill because everybody runs on a treadmill differently yeah um but we do watch them walk and kind of do some little tests and stuff so it does take about 30 minutes but you know like i'm not gonna sit here and say that the hokas are the greatest thing ever made i mean they're pretty close to the greatest thing ever made <laughs> yeah um, but you know they're not for everybody uh but i'm a super big fan and i all of my so my 12 year old my 10 year old my wife and i all wear them okay <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's, uh, you know, they're good for a lot of people. I always recommend them. Like if people have jobs where they're on their feet all the time, I'm like, why are oh, you sure, not yeah. wearing hokas? You know? Right. Yeah, for sure. Like I would 100% be doing that if I was just walking around all day. For sure. Um, okay. So let's get kind of back into the Iowa ultra. So when <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that was all, all the shoe talk was just selfishly for me. Cause, uh, I'm, it's all good. I'm it's trying to good. figure out which shoes I need. Uh, so back to Iowa Ultras, um, you know, when did, when did Iowa start actually having ultra marathon events? Yeah, so there's, uh, there's been a, um, a, a race that I've run oh, six times now. Um, it's, uh, it's called the Equalizer Endurance Run. Um, it's been around for like 20 years. Okay. It's a super, super low-key event, but if they do a 6, 12, and 24-hour race around Great Lake. Um, which Whoa. is in downtown Des Moines. Oh, you know what? Um, Calvin told me about that after listening yeah, to you talk. Yeah. Uh, so I've done that one like six times. Um, it's 1.905 miles around. Yeah. Um, and it's all on pavement. Um, so that one's been around for about 20 years. There's a, there's one that's been up. Uh, it's called the Corn Belt 24-hour. Um, that's around a track. Uh, that's somewhere by Dubuque, I believe. Um, that one's been around for a long time too. Uh, but really in central Iowa, there hasn't been a true trail ultra, um, in a long time or I mean, ever until about five years ago when, um, when the Boonville Backroads ultra came around, 
Um, and they started out with the, uh, the 50K and 100K option uh, with a 10K in there too. Um, but that was really kind of a big one to hit central Iowa. Okay. Uh, and like I said, that's been about five years ago. Um, and it's really, it's gotten pretty big uh, ever since then. It's not pretty big. I mean, it's, it's a good size event for, for what it is. Yeah. Um, but there's a little over 200 people that'll run the combination of either the, the 10K, uh, the 50K relay, the 50K solo, the 100K, or the 100 mile. So. And is it mostly on gravel roads or? Uh, so we like to say, so I'm the, I'm the co-race director for the event okay. and we like, and I've, and I've run the hundred mile or three times. Uh, we like to say that it's 85% gravel, uh, 10% road and 5% level B road. Okay. Um, which if you're not familiar with a level B road, it's basically an unmaintained dirt road, um, that has no gravel on it. It is literally dirt. Um, and so uh, when I ran it in 2015, 15 was the, was the inaugural year for the, the 100 mile. Um, we got rain for about 10 hours. And when you get rain on a dirt road, um, you can only imagine what it turns into. Oh, man. I think, I've, I think I saw pictures after that happened because I was pretty fascinated by it. And it just looked like your foot would sink in like, up almost yeah. like halfway up your calf and then you try to pull it out. Yeah. Well, and some people like, uh, the North face endurance challenge a couple of years ago was, was run in December and they, you know, that was the whole big thing. Like they were, they were talking about how much mud there was and you know, it was, it was really, I mean, yeah, it was super muddy for the whole 50 miles, but it wasn't anything like this mud. I mean, this is, this is backwoods, country like mud farmland um, I mean, was, soil yeah so there's a uh you don't actually hit the first bout of mud um until about 27 miles in if you're doing the 100 mile or the 100k um, you don't hit the first road that's that's mud until about 27 27 and a half in and i have seen some of the best runners like crawl up these hills because it's so gross um and i mean you can't get any footing you know and and there's so that goes on for about a mile or so and then you kind of come out of it and then you've got uh, a little road or a little gravel section for about a mile and a half and then you get on to another uh level b patch that's about two and a half miles <laughs> and it's it's uh the part that will slow that part is probably worse than the other one because it's flat and water pools. And so it, it is up to mid calf. The mud is most of the time. Wow. Do you have any runners, you know, like, I don't know, West coast or East coast runners show up and they're like, I'm going to dominate this thing. And they get to like pasture roads and sink in and they're like, Oh, this is way harder than I thought. Yeah, so uh, Richard Kresser, who you've had on it before, oh, yeah. um, he's actually he's from Ames, which is just north of here, and he showed up the uh, the first year, so I think in fifteen, I think it was fifteen, um, and he luckily got through most of the mud before it started raining. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I talked to him afterwards, and I think he was 
he didn't really think that it was going to be as difficult as it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I find like flat, flat for a long distance is almost as challenging as a lot of hills. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice thing about, well, I guess I shouldn't call it the nice thing. It's, um, we like to say that this race has ever or never ending hills. Um, because I mean, you'll be on a hill and then it'll have like almost like a false summit and then it'll like, you'll turn a corner and then you'll have another hill and then you'll turn another corner and there'll be another one. And then you've got this screaming downhill and then you've got another hill within like quarter of a mile that lasts half a mile to, you know, three quarters of a mile. And they're just like never ending hills. Yeah. I think people would be shocked by that. Central Iowa is just constant rolling hills. Um, yeah. I remember my dad took me on a bike ride when I was like 14. And it was a 20 mile bike ride, but it was, it was around my grandpa's. My grandpa lived in a town of like 60 people in southern Iowa. And we went uh-huh. on nothing but gravel roads. And it was up and down, up and down. And we got done with this 20 mile bike ride. And I was like, what the hell did you just get me into? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't think, uh, you know, and that's the thing that, you know, we always welcome people that are from the East coast or the West coast to actually come and come and experience it because most people show up and they're like, it's Iowa. It's going to be flat. Yeah. Um, but I think that people underestimate it. Um, there's a, there's a female named, uh, Liz Bauer. Um, who I believe she's from Vermont, possibly. Um, she and I are the only three-time finishers of the 100-mile, um, and she's done hard rock. <laughs> and she gets into hard rock every year, and she keeps coming back to this race. Really? You know, like, there's no prize money at this event, but she continues to come back. And she, like, one year she was the only the only female finisher, Um you know, and, and this is somebody who's done, I think she's done hard rock like three times, maybe four times. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a lot more difficult than, than people really, really want to believe. So yeah, that's awesome. Is, are there anyone signing up for, is there anyone who signs up for it? Who just, you know, has never even heard of ultra running? Um, not really. Uh, you know, I think that, we, we've seen an uptick in the 50K, uh, primarily the last two years, okay. um, which, is, which is encouraging because I think that, you know, once people see, like, the event and the kind of passion that we have for the event, um, you know, I think that'll continue to draw people back um, and hopefully draw them back to the bigger events. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, like, a lot of people will sign up for the 10K just to get the experience, just to see what it's like. And then we've had people that jump from the 10K up to the 50K because a lot of times they don't think they realize how much farther it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, a good buddy of mine I, I run with on Monday mornings, um, he's more of an adventure, like an adventure racer and a, and a, a mountain biker. And we, we've been training together since, like, August. And I just kind of said, well, you know, there is a 50K option, and you've done a marathon. Why wouldn't you just go five miles longer? He, 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 kind of nick, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And he signed up for it, and then he realized what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, he's, he's doing really well in his training, and, and everything's going well. And he's, he's training on the gravel to kind of get, yeah. to try to get a feeling for what it's like. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I think that the 50K will sell out 
uh, we'll probably sell the 100K out too. Uh, the 100 mile is, is still open, so if anybody's looking for a 100 mile or Memorial Day weekend in Iowa, it's super cheap to, to come and visit, so come on out. That would rock. Yeah, so I guess what kind of challenges do you have designing a course where you're on gravel roads? Um, because, uh, you know, coming from Iowa, there's gravel roads everywhere, and I'm like, this would be the perfect place to have a whole bunch of different ultra marathons down these roads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the big challenge is the course marking. So we don't actually mark the course. Um, so what we do is we do provide people with the GPX file to, you know, send to their phone or to their watch if the watch has mapping capabilities. Um, but then we also provide them with a turn-by-turn directions. And so uh, I, for all of the times that I've done it, I actually print them out on a, uh, almost like the size of a business card. Okay. And then I have them laminated uh, at my full-time job. I have them laminated. And then that's what you carry in your pocket. And it's, it works out really well. There's only actually been one person that's ever gotten lost, and they got lost just for because they didn't make a turn. Yeah. And they realized it after the fact. Um, but, you know, we, we really do stress the, you know, this is, you know, if you're looking at your watch, you're going to be 5.8 miles from, your, from this last turn will be this next turn. And, gotcha. you know, we, we're pretty, we're pretty uh, stringent on making sure our directions are correct. That's awesome. But, you know, that's the, that's the biggest thing because it's a small race where, you know, we're just a couple of guys that, you know, put on this event. We've got some amazing volunteers. Um, that work the aid stations, but you do have to spread out the aid stations pretty far. Uh, but it is, I mean, if it, it's an adventure. I mean, that's really what we like to tell people. It's not a race. It's, it's more of an adventure. Yeah, for sure. And it's so pretty. If you ever just wander down some random Iowa gravel roads past farmland and, and little yeah. forests here and there, like it's so unbelievably pretty. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Which is awesome. Do you, that time of year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you ever have, um, like, farmers or people who own the land, are they like, what is go- what are you guys doing? And you're like, running 100 miles. Well, the first year, um, so one of the things that we always, that we always have uh, people do is wear a reflective vest. Um, we, we suggest people have pacers through the middle of the night. Uh, but they all have to wear a reflective vest and some sort of a blinky light um, just because, you know, just for a safety issue. And the first year that I was running it, this guy, this guy came up, and, you know, I'm running against traffic, so I'm running on the left side of the road. And I'm with, a, with another guy, and we just kind of hooked up, and we were kind of working with each other. And this, this guy pulls up. And he's like, what in the hell are you guys doing out here? And we're like, well, we're, we're running a race. And he just cursed us out. And no way, really? We're like, man, we're not doing anything wrong here. Like, we're just yeah. out here, you know, pushing our bodies to the limit, you know, and, and whatever. And, I, I mean, he was, he was super wasted. I mean, it was <laughs> no. Memorial Day weekend. So, I mean, he was super wasted. But really, everybody's been pretty cool, like, there was one time the first year, yeah, uh, yeah, the first year that I did it, I was running past this house, and these people saw my headlamp, and it's it's like 2:30 in the morning, and these people saw my headlamp coming through, and 
all of a sudden somebody runs and they were sitting out having a campfire and all of a sudden somebody runs out and they're like, Hey, what are you doing? And I told them and they're like, you want a beer? I was like, I would love a beer, but I just threw up back there. So I don't know how well the, a beer would do on my stomach. Um, but I mean, for the most part, everybody's super cool. They, I mean, they see that we're wearing bibs. So they, they stop and ask if we need water and, you know, uh, ask if we if we're okay and i mean it's iowa hospitality you know yeah. everybody's always looking looking out for each other i got asked if i needed a ride one time that rocks which was weird <laughs> you're like i actually can't <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> oh man that's awesome man that sounds like a great event what's it's called the the boonville it's called the, the boonville backroads ultra okay um we uh we have a website we have a facebook account um, if you, if anybody's interested, it's, uh, if you go onto Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and look up the, uh, hashtag Boonville Badass, uh, that's B-O-O-N-E-V-I-L-L-E Badass, okay. um, you'll, you'll, you'll find our, 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 uh, pages. So. I want to, I'm going to do that right now. Boonville yeah, it's, Badass. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Okay. Oh, you have like a little yeah. video here and stuff that, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we actually, we, uh, uh, we have a, a really great photographer friend. Uh, his name is Dave Mabel. Um, him and uh, another guy named Jeff Corcoran, who actually ran the race last year too, or has run the race a couple of years. Um, they, did a, they did a movie, um, which we're going to be premiering um, at uh, an event we're calling the Ultra 101, um, the World Beyond 26.2. It's a, uh, it's a series of um, lectures that we've been having for the past couple of months. Uh, and so the week, the Monday before the event, we'll actually premiere the movie um, with the participants. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really, cool. like, it looks really well done. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. He's, he's done a really great job. I've seen about four minutes of it. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I see the roads you were just talking about. <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty nasty. Yeah, that's cool, man. So yeah, I got connected with you um, because my buddy Calvin films. Uh, he's been filming these talks at Active Endeavors in Des Moines, and yeah. he sent me your information. Like as soon as you got done t- speaking, he was like, "Hey, man, you gotta have this guy on the podcast. He's awesome." Um, so yeah, and then I watched part of the talk, and you know, it's about the kind of gist is like, how does a regular guy, like a regular family man go about training for an ultra marathon? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah, man, do you want to kind of get into that? Because, you know, regular family man to regular family man, let's, uh, let's talk about how we have to wake up super ass early and, uh, not get any rest after the ultra. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, so like I said about, uh, 2004, I was, uh, I was 350 pounds and uh, I had a very serious food addiction and so I decided that I needed to start training or you know start losing weight and stuff and so this would have been fall 2004 um, I decided this and and I kind of made the goal for myself that I wanted to start or that I wanted to do a 5k you know that's everybody's goal Um, and then uh, we found out in December or January of 2005 that we were going to have a child that fall. So uh, I kind of actually traded one addiction for another. And so I went, you know, from the 5K to the 10K to that 20K distance to the half marathon to the marathon. Um, and then 
my kids were super young, so it was really easy to get out the door and start training and stuff. And so then I kind of got into the ultras in 2000, whatever it would be, eight, I think, something like that, eight or nine. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm a, like I said, I've got four kids now. Uh, I've got a full-time job. I've got a part-time job. I'm a soccer coach. Uh, like I said earlier, up until today, I've been on the board of directors for a running club for the past six years. Uh, my term limit is up, so I'm no longer on the board. Um, I'm a race director. Uh, I got all these titles, and then somehow I got to fit in training. Yeah. Um, so I get up usually 3.45-ish in the morning. Uh, Mondays I have a group that I run with. Uh, and we go train together on Mondays, and then usually Monday, Monday over lunch, I'm doing uh, another run, or I've been trying to get more into like biking as kind of a cross training method. Um, and then Tuesdays, I kind of do the same thing. Wednesdays, I take off. Thursdays, Fridays, I usually kind of depends on what I have time for. I'll run during the middle of the day or twice, twice a day or something like that. And then Saturdays or Sundays, I usually go for a longer run. Um, but you know, I, I like to tell people that I just, like, I try to fit in a run or a workout whenever I can. And so, uh, one of my favorite workouts actually is, uh, I, I throw on a backpack with, uh, 20 to 25 pounds of weights in it. And I go up and down my stairs. Um, I go up and down 11 stairs. Uh, for two hours, and most <laughs> of the time I can get uh, I can get 600 times up and down. Dang man! Um, and so that's a that's a workout that I try to do a, a lot because I I have big dreams of getting into like mountain hundreds at some point. Um, so I need to get my legs strong and get my climbing strong and stuff. So uh, try to fit in just as many runs as I can. Uh, my wife is starting to get into long distance running. So going with her and, you know, it's, it's tough, but you know, that's the thing. I, I don't really have a lot of time, but I have to make time. Yeah. Um, you know, and my kids are 12, 10, three and like 20 months. And so I'm constantly getting up really early or doing it really late. And like, if I have to take them to, uh, like a, like a soccer practice or my, one of my daughters is in Lego league. So if I've got an hour, I'm usually doing about 50 minutes of training Gotcha. during that hour. So, I mean, I usually have a pair of shoes and a pair of shorts and, and a headlamp in my car at all times. <laughs> I want to, that's, first of all, that's all of that is ridiculously impressive because it's pretty wild. Yeah, man, I have two and you know, it's, it gets so busy. It gets like, I just, I joke with, I'm a teacher also. And I joke with my students. I'm like, they're like talking about, Oh, I'm always like, what are you guys going to do this weekend? They're like sleep. And I'm like, what's that like? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But man, I, mean, let's... And I uh, you know, I sleep like four hours a night, <laughs> <laughs> you well, know, you and, and I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty good friends with, a, with uh, Mike Wardian. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we hooked up a few years ago for an event that our club was putting on and I, and I kind of, I really find him as a, as a mentor and, you know, well, I guess it was five years ago. And he, when we spent a couple of days together, just hanging out around Des Moines before this talk and, and he was like, you know, 
with kids, you, you have to make it invisible training. Yeah. You know, your kids should never know that you've been out running. And I really try to do that, you know, and I'm, I'm gonna, uh, this summer, what my plan is, is to actually run commute. I live about 18 miles away from work and so I'm hoping to get some run commuting in, um, and try to get some miles under my leg that way. Uh, but really just finding or, you know, making the time. It's not about having time. It's about making time. Yeah. We all have time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just that, have to give up sleeping most of the time. Yeah, exactly. That. Well, okay. So how do you balance that? Because, you know, everything you read about recovery is about how important sleep is. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. How do you do I, that? I would you, say that. I fall asleep on the couch really early. Yeah. Uh, so my kids, my, my two youngest will go to bed about between 8 and 8.30. Um, I'll sit down TV and watch TV for about a half an hour with my older kids. And then I usually fall asleep on the couch. And it's a running joke in my house. I usually fall asleep about 9.15 um, just because, you know, I've been going, going, going all day and – I mean, I fall asleep around 9.15, and then, you know, I'll get up at 3.45, 4 o'clock in the morning. But, you know, like taking, taking days off is totally fine. And I think that that's the thing that's super un, underutilized is actually taking a day off. Um, because, I mean, like I said, my schedule, the way I work it, is usually Wednesdays are my day that I take completely off from any form of exercise. Um, I'll take Wednesdays off and then either Saturday or Sunday, depending on what my schedule has. Um, but I mean, you know, I found that, you know, rolling and stretching and doing all these things, yeah, they're super time consuming, but I found that it, it really helps just with recovery. Yeah. Um, and I found that it helps a lot with the post race recovery too. Like I mean, I've, immediately I, after a race, or are you doing it like a couple of days? No, like immediately after. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> so, so like I did the uh, I did the Rocky Raccoon 100 in February, and I had a really bad race. I mean, crazy bad. Um, I had blisters that covered both the bottoms of my feet because oh. my feet were just wet all day. <laughs> um, and so, like I uh, I was staying with a buddy in Houston, and. Uh, He's a great friend of mine. He's paced me and crewed me for a lot of my races, and and he drove me back to his place, and I slept for a couple of hours, and then I got up and I just rolled. I mean, I foam rolled. I used my stick roller. I've got like these things are called moji balls, you know, these little massage balls. Um, I used those, and I just stretched and rolled as much as I possibly could, and it hurt like like hell yeah um but then monday we i got up and went for a walk and i walked about four miles and then we went and did brewery tours and i felt perfectly fine except for the bottoms of my feet that's awesome um yeah there's so I like felt, i found that it helps yeah there's nothing you want to do less than stretch immediately after a race though yeah yeah for sure and yeah. i mean you know, I was really, I was really well hydrated this time around, um, which I've never, I've, I've always had a problem with. Um, but this time around I was super, super hydrated. And so I think it made it a little bit easier to do those stretches and to do those rolling. Um, 
But, I mean, I, I've done races where I was peeing blood because I was so dehydrated. And I think that if I would have, uh, if I would have tried to stretch and roll, then it probably would have caused some more long-term damage. Yeah. How, how did you handle hydration differently? Hydration is like basically the thing I think about every single day because yeah. living in Colorado, I wake up so dehydrated. Like yeah. example, I went to Chicago for a bachelor party and I probably had more beers than I've had in quite some time, probably a few years. Yep. And I woke up and felt way better there in Chicago, yeah. hungover than I do every single morning in Colorado because it's so dry yeah. here. I, uh, you know, I, I have a, I have a hard time because I've got this, um, I've got this liver condition that I just found out about last fall. Um, that basically I don't process sugars as quickly or as efficiently as other people, um, which also then causes me to be dehydrated. And so I've done, uh, I've done 15 ultras, eight of which are hundred milers. And, um, I always have problems with dehydration always. And this time around, you know, and I've always worn a vest or a pack of some sort. Uh, this time around, I decided that I was going to carry bottles in my hands um, so that they would be like a constant reminder that I'd have to drink. And because like before, I just, I wasn't wanting to drink it, but I needed to because I would, you know, have a pack on and, you know, you've got that hose that you don't want to drink out of anymore. <laughs> and this time I carried bottles the entire, well, 28 hours. And I, in this sounds probably TMI, but I peed 29 times in that 28 hours. And normally I will go, I'll, I'll pee like three times in a, in a 24 hour span of a race. Dang. And so I just, I was very focused on making sure that I was, you know, in the, in having those bottles in your hands. Yeah. People don't like to have bottles in their hands, but it's, it's a visual cue that you need to do it. So, I mean, that's what I found is, is kind of working for me a little bit because I don't like the, the bottles in the front. I haven't found a vest that I like really well that works with bottles in the front. But having a handheld has worked, worked really, really well this last time. So that makes that's sense. what I've kind of found works for me. Yeah, man, but, that makes sense. Just like the psychology of whatever is the easiest to access is going, yeah. that's what you're going to end up doing. Exactly. Yeah. And especially, you know, you get to the end of a super long distance race and you, I don't know, your brain's just not quite there the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I got it. You, I don't know. Just a reminder of like, oh, I see the water bottles. That means I need a drink. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, even, even carrying a pack and, and I know a lot of people that use the ultimate direction packs and the Nathan packs with yeah. the bottles in the front or the flasks in the front. I, I don't see that or I don't feel you can't feel those you know yeah and because especially because you burp them and it lets all the air out so you don't feel the sloshing and so you just kind of forget to drink that's true know? no that's totally and, true I have I have an ultimate direction pack and my but for me what helps actually is my my daughter has bit the the nipples off of the water bottles oh, yeah, yeah. And yep, so I yep. can't use them anymore. So I can actually feel the sloshing um, yep. on those. The thing that's kind of a pain in the ass with them is especially, you know, 
a long a long run, any long run, the water bottles are like hitting you in the in the ribs, and you'll yeah, take the vest sure. off afterwards, and you'll have these two bruises like right below your nipples. And you're like, what just yep. happened? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, but yeah, man. So okay, the one aspect of your training that really like captured my imagination was the putting on a vest and walking up and down stairs. It's just like getting it done. You know, there's no excuses because people could be like, well, I was flat, so I can't sign up for a mountain, a mountain race. But you're like, no, man, there's ways to get around that. Um, when did you first come up with that idea? And what, what was the face your wife made when you started doing it? Well, so I, (laughs) we moved into our house, uh, like two and a half years ago. And before we lived in a, we lived in like a split level house. Okay. Uh, and my daughters were in the basement and we were or in the, the lower portion of the, the house. And then we were in the upper portion of the house, uh, for our bedroom. And so I kind of got the idea then, but we moved into this, this new house about two and a half years ago. Um, it, it already had a finished basement and everything like that. And, and our bedrooms are all, all the way at the top. So it's a, two-story with a basement and so our bedrooms are all the way at the top and you know I, I, we had our treadmill set up in the basement and nobody can hear it and so I kind of got the idea well, well what would it be like to go up and down the stairs for a little while <laughs> you know it's, it's 11 steps it's 11 stairs and so I did it for like a half an hour one time and I was like okay this, this kind of sucks because I was um uh, like three years, four years ago, something like that, four or five years ago now, um, I was training for a hundred and it didn't work out. Like timing didn't work out for me to get signed up. So I was, I was fit and I was ready to be, I was ready to go. And then I heard about this um, thing called the 24 hour challenge and put on by the, the goats um, out of Omaha. And it was spending 24 hours on a treadmill and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to train for that. And so I, we had a really nice treadmill, and I literally would run a marathon on my treadmill in my basement with no TV. Dude. And I would stare at a blue light on this printer um, that, that we had in our office where our treadmill was, <laughs> yeah. and I would stare at that blue light for, for four hours oh and just, like, shut my brain off. And so... The, so the treadmill challenge came around and I was able to get a hundred done in like 21, 21 and change, like 2140 or something like that. Oh man. And that had no TV. And so I, you know, when we moved into this new house and I was like, well, you know, I've got the mental side of it down, like the mental monotony side of it down. And, you know, the thing that people don't realize when running ultras, even if you're not racing, but running ultras it is 90% mental. I mean, it is 90% mental. I mean, that, that physical aspect of it is anybody can do an ultra. I mean, most of them have such generous cutoffs that you can get an ultra done. But a lot of people don't have that mental capacity to get it done. And so, you know, when we moved in this house, I was like, I can't see my TV from where our, our, our TV in our basement, I can't see that TV. So I'm just going to go up and down as many times as I can. And so one time I did actually like get out a sheet of paper and I start checking off, you know, every fifth one 
how many I'd done. And in like 55 minutes or something like that, I'd done 300 times up and down. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. This is crazy. Let's see how, how many more I can do. <laughs> uh, so I do this usually once a week. Yeah. Um, just to, just to kind of get my, I, I call my mountain legs. Um, but when my wife first found out that I was going to do this, she's like, it's going to be so gross down there because you're just going to be sweating everywhere. All over the stairs. Yeah. So, so actually what I have resorted to is, um, wearing a sweatshirt, um, with a moisture wicking shirt underneath of some, some sort of buff. And then, um, I actually go barefoot when I'm doing it because I don't want to ruin my carpet. And so, and then sometimes I'll actually put on tights because they can absorb some of the sweat. Yeah. And so most of the time she doesn't even know that I've done it because they you know, stairs aren't wet. That's hilarious. Uh, That's the most considerate workout I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. So like I try to do it as much as I can and, and like, you know, it's, it's super cold in our basement, so a lot of times I'll open up the windows, too, just to kind of get some of the heat out and just get the, get the stink out. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it, again, it's, it's one of those things where you have to get past the, the boredom. Yeah. And, and, you know, doing four-hour runs on my treadmill helped me realize that I, we are so much more mentally strong than we really think we are. We just get super bored super fast yeah yeah i was watching what was i watching it was some science show uh because i'm a science teacher so of course i'm just always watching experiments and stuff and there was some experiment where basically it was a psychological experiment they would expose someone to this buzzer that actually like hurt them like shocked them and then they'd be like oh yeah sorry about that um will you wait in this waiting room uh you know while we get you ready and they'd leave someone in a waiting room with nothing, like no entertainment. They couldn't do their, use their phones. But there was this buzzer that they had already figured out shocked them. And yeah. it was within like two minutes, every single person would go up to it and push it again. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like they'd you know, rather be the hurt than bored. I, you know, and I, I do put music on. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm wearing headphones and that kind of is a, is a little mental distraction. Yeah. Um, but... Like I don't put my, I don't keep my watch on, you know, I, I just check the clock every once in a while. I've got my water set up and you know, all that stuff. And I'm wearing this pack and I, and I typically will wear the pack for the first hour. If I'm doing a two hour, one of these sessions, Yeah. Um, I'll wear the pack for the first hour and then I'll take it off for, for like 15 minutes just to kind of like get my back in position again. And then once 15 minutes has gone by, I'll throw it back on. Um, and then I'll do another 15 minutes with it and then I'll take it off. And then the rest of the time I'll, I'll be without it. So, oh, man, that's so I mean, awesome. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's getting past the mental is, is the, the biggest hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of probably a superpower that you've actually built. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, I mean, and that's a, like the, uh, the 24 hour events, like going around the track, mm-hmm. like the 24 hour events are very intriguing to me because again, I can, (laughs) I've gotten really good at shutting my brain off Yeah, and not getting bored. I mean, and and so I've done five, I've done five 24 hour events. Um, 
and a lot of times I'll do them without music. Wow. You know, and that's going around in a circle for, for 24 hours. Yeah. I used to do this thing. I'd call it do something you hate Tuesdays. And I would do yeah, a track, yeah. like a long track run because I just, yeah. yeah, it's just something you're like, it's monotonous, but there is, yep. there is power in that monotony if you can survive. Oh it. yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. What, uh, what other challenges do you face as dad? Like, uh, here's the thing I think could be frustrating to people is uh-huh. when you have so much going on in your life. Sometimes you're forced to miss training or, you know, you're forced to kind of like, I don't know, miss, miss the workout that you had scheduled in your mind. So yeah, how do you yeah. deal with those situations? Because I think that's what gets some people until you realize how to like just kind of go with the flow and be okay with, with that. I think, yeah. I think it's hard. You know what? And my kids know that my, my kids know that they come first. My wife knows that she, she comes first. And so, you know, if they've got something going on, I don't skip what they have going on. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and I, and I tell this to a lot of people, I go into most of my races really, really undertrained. Um, and it's because, you know, I have a lot going on and, but I would rather go into a race undertrained than hurt. Yeah. You know, so like I will peak out about 75 miles a week if I'm in a really heavy t- uh, cycle, um, I'll peak out about 75 miles a week and that's absolute max. And I'll do that like for two weeks straight and then I'll kind of taper back a little bit. And usually I'm around 50, 50 to 60 miles a week. So I'm a pretty low mileage guy. Um, but you know, I do take my kids on runs with me, you know? So like I'll take my, my son who's 20 months old, I'll take him in the, in the baby jogger and he'll fall asleep, you know? And if like my kids are, my other kids are off doing something, um, I take my kids on, they ride their bike and they, I call them their, my pacers. Uh, so they'll, they'll ride their bike and I'll try to keep up with them. That's cool. Um, so that's the two oldest. And then I'll push one, one of the two younger ones in, a, in the stroller. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, my wife train or my wife's been training for a 20K right now, so we go out for a run as a family. Um, but you know, just getting the miles in, you know, as much as you can, and just doing it as, as a family. Uh, like last week, uh, it, we we got snow and rain and all this stuff. You know, again, it is the end of April, uh, but uh, we got snow and rain, and I'm a soccer coach and. I didn't know whether or not we were going to be able to use the field. And so I told the parents ahead of time of my team, I was like, have the kids bring their shoes, have the kids bring their running shoes because we may just run. And so I love, I love motivating people and inspiring people to be better versions of themselves. So like I told the girls, I was like, we're just going to run as many laps as we can for the next 45 minutes. And I brought a speaker and we listened to like cheesy pop music and we just ran all together and we ran three miles. So that just packs onto the miles that I got for the day. Uh, you know, so finding these little, these little ways to make things happen is, is probably the biggest takeaway is, you know, if you can, if you've got 45 minutes, make, make a run last 40 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you've got a break in your day, 
of half an hour, do a 20-minute run. Yeah, you're not going to you know, get your heart rate super high, but you can at least crank out some miles. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've found. It works really, really well for me. And, you know, I've been married to my wife now for, well, 16 years. We've been together 21 years, <laughs> and none of my kids hate me all that much. Um, <laughs> so I must be doing something okay. And they're teenagers, right? You almost have teenagers? Uh, yeah, two are, are approaching preteens. So. Nice. They, you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As a seventh grade teacher, I will tell you. Teenagers, yeah. they're, they're fine. They're totally fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Like, you're awesome. Yeah, thanks and for having me. Super, super inspired by your story. Uh, what, I guess, I kind of want to wrap up here by yep. asking you uh, just two real quick questions. First one, when the alarm goes off at, like, 4 in the morning, what's your first thing? thought and what do you tell yourself to get yourself moving um i usually give myself 30 minutes of hitting the snooze button nice and then and then i smell the coffee most of the time um but you know it's again it's i want to be better than i was yesterday and i'm not going to be any stud ultra runner that's going to win a race but i want to be i know that there are other people training at that moment and I want to be able to at least run with those people that are training at that moment. Yeah, that makes sense. So you kind of use yeah. almost peer pressure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And, and then do you actually have your coffee set up so it goes like it starts brewing? Yep. Oh, yep. I've got it set up for, I've got it set up for three, 355 most of the time. Oh, that's genius. I'm totally going to steal <laughs> that one. Yeah, man, because yeah, it's yeah. funny for me. It like ebbs and flows where it's easy, and then other times it's really difficult. Like I've been waking up about four a.m. for the last five years, and there's it still happens where the alarm goes off, and I'm like, oh my god, this is the worst. Well, and you know, for for those of your of your listeners who don't know, I, winters in Iowa are oh, awful. Yeah, <laughs> and. So, like, you know, Colorado gets snow, but Colorado doesn't get the negative 30. Yeah. Uh, in most parts, anyways. Um, and we had a pretty harsh winter. So, like, most of the time it was like, oh, I don't want to go put on four layers of, of tops just to go out for a run. Yeah. Um, so it was more treadmill running than I wanted to this winter. But, you know, it's starting to get nice out again. And so... I mean, that, that wakes me up just knowing that I can go outside and just be alive and just, you know, do something that, that I've been given a gift. Totally. Totally agree. Um, and then I guess the last question building off of Eric's question on ultra runner is what's it, is it capital? Wait, was it capital IPA or Iowa IPA? Uh, Des Moines IPA. That's right. Is that your favorite one still? Or cause for me, my favorite beer of maybe of all time is the Thomas Beck Black IPA from Confluence? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I would probably say it's my it's my go to. Okay. It is uh, it is definitely definitely my go to. Uh, they've got some uh, Confluence has had some stuff recently that's kind of been mind blowing. Uh, they had one that had tequila in it, which um, <laughs> was pretty was pretty awesome. 
but yeah, I, I always go back to the Des Moines IPA. I don't, those two guys, the guys that opened it, they know what they're doing. Like apparently they, yeah, for sure. they brewed beer for like 20 years and they kept talking. They would just talk like, yeah, if we ever open our own brewery, this is what we do. And then finally their wives were like, Hey, you're either opening your own brewery or you're done yeah. with beer. So yeah. make a choice. <laughs> There's another brewery in town here that's actually I'm sitting right outside of my uh, right outside of our running shop. Um, it's about a mile away from here. Um, it's called Five One Five Brewing. I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, and it's a it's a macro, so they don't actually they don't sell anything outside of the brewery. Okay. Um, and they've got a a an ever growing list of beers that they try, and they have they have one that comes out every Veterans Day. It's for the Puppy Jake Foundation. It's a service dog uh, foundation. It's called the Puppy Jake Porter, and it's a peanut butter porter. Ooh. And the first year that they made it, it was like drinking a peanut butter cup. <sighs> it was one of the most amazing things I've ever drank in my life. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brad, thank you, man. If you're if you, you do if you want some like recommendations of some mountain ultras let me know uh yeah i haven't sure. done any 100s or anything like gigantic but there are so many races around here that are really cool so i'd love to i've got a uh, good friend of mine's uh, got selected for leadville so i i am potentially coming with her heck yeah i don't know if it's gonna happen oh uh, that rocks i want to leadville is one of the coolest towns in the united states in my opinion yeah that's what i've heard it's pretty awesome so yeah, man, you should definitely come out. So uh, let me know if you're out here. I'd, I'll take you on some training runs. Nice. Awesome. All right, man. Well, we'll uh, talk to you at some point. Sounds good, man. Thanks. <laughs> All right. See ya. See ya. That'll wrap up this week's episode. Thank you, Brad. You rock. Uh, if you're out there and you're a Midwesterner who's looking to get into ultra marathons, Go for it, man. Just go for it. You guys can make up your own routes. One of my friends, Thad Burkamper, uh, kept messaging me last weekend. And Thad's been on the show before. And he's definitely like getting into all these kind of fun endurance events. And he sent me this plan. He's like, dude, I want to run a 50K in Muscatine, Iowa. And I was like, sweet, man. Like, you, That's awesome. You should totally do that. But what kind of route are you thinking? And we were talking. We're like, dude, you got to include Wildcat Den State Park, like all these things. And he just texted me this this uh, map, and it was his planned 50K route in Muscatine, Iowa. So, I mean, obviously, you should do some organized events too. But if you're really interested in doing it, go out and do it. You guys can make up your own routes. There are beautiful places in the state. Um a place I would suggest if you're listening to this from Des Moines, go up to Ledges State Park. Ledges State Park is like legit beautiful and has some amazing hills and and it'll get you in some shape. So if you can just go hiking out there, you you'll get some leg muscles for sure. But uh but yeah, man. Uh Brad, thank you. You rock. Uh all you guys listening, thank you so much for tuning into the episode. I truly appreciate it. Um if you would be so kind to go on iTunes, leave us a review, that would be super cool. Um, but yeah, I, it helps the podcast in some some form or fashion. Who knows? Who knows how? Only people who are geniuses understand that or <laughs> people of mild intelligence understand 
how that works. <laughs> but anyways, um, so yeah, go on and do that. Subscribe if you like it. We have a bunch of episodes coming up that are going to be really fun, really interesting. Um, and go back. This isn't necessarily just a ultra running podcast, though lately I feel like I have done quite a bit of ultra running episodes in a row. Um, but this is kind of an all around adventure sports, adventure people, people who are stepping outside their comfort zone, really trying to accomplish some great things. So, so yeah, I've really enjoyed it and I hope you guys do too. All right, guys, we'll get back at you next week. See ya.